Today is Sunday, December 3rd, 2023. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Jack, you asked a number of questions. I'll, I'll deal with it tomorrow, Be'ezrat Hashem. Um, I just want to mention, in relation to the war, uh, the question of Pidgin Shvuyim. I'm very happy to tell you that Baruch Shekivanti Ledat Gadolim, Reb Heshul they gave a shir a week ago in uh, Boca Raton, Florida, and said exactly what I said, La Halacha, and why it's not La Maisa. And more than Rav Heschel, this past weekend in the alone of Mochon Meir, on the back page, Rav Aviner always answers questions, and it was like he was quoting me word by word. So, uh, Baruch Hashem, I'm in very, very good company. Uh, a result of the war... Uh, some very fascinating pictures. This is, uh, you don't recognize that, that's uh, Chaim Maizel's, Chaim is the first name. That's a great nephew, a great, great nephew of the, of Rebjol of Satma and a grandson of the Satma Rav who followed him in America, the Reb Meishet Teitelbaum. See, they brought him up right. Uh, no, they didn't bring the... He, he, you got to give credit to him. He and his first cousin both both are in the Israeli army. And uh, I hope... I know that he remained totally from his mother, I understand. I hope the other one as well. This is a picture of uh, Rabaran Soloveitchik's grandson, the son of Reb Meshe, Reb Yitzchak Zev, Halevi Soloveitchik, uh, I met him years ago. He was very close to David Applebaum, Hashem Yikam Damo, and Dr. Soloveitchik. There he is standing and next to the Israeli flag. So we have Sadikim, Tahorim, Tadoshim. God should have mercy on all our soldiers. And uh, I don't have to tell you how many I have. Uh, a comment further on the Moetzet Gedole HaTorah. I have a feeling, I'm only guessing, but uh, you'll enjoy my theory. Suddenly they put out pictures of the Moetzer Gedole HaTorah. These are the contemporary ones. Not exactly uh, inspiring for me, but I have my own viewpoint. And then it gives pictures of the past Moetzer Gedole. You can get this all online. Of the past Moetzer Gedole HaTorah. And lo and behold... There is the picture of Mori Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Dov, Salavechik, Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbeinu Yitzhak Elchanan, and uh, they give you the date that he died, and there's his picture. You have no idea how many people have asked me, is it true? So I have to tell you, this is Geneva Dat. If they uh, show his picture, they have to say it's absolutely true. He was a member of the Matzika Doleto when his first form, 1941, he remained on it for about a year or two, and then he moved to the Mizrahi, and I've given many lectures on it, but I think there was such an outcry against the six members who came out not to go to the demonstration that I think psychologically they're showing you, what are you getting so upset? Let us write kept it so upset. His Rebbe is a member, or was a member of the Moetzeh. Uh, I can tell you, I, I don't have time to waste, but I want to just tell you a story of, that's very important, Atan Fakhinov. I wish the story were not true, but every syllable is. Many years ago, 
uh, two Talmudim came in and asked if they could come to my shim. They were from Arsameach. One of them was exceptionally bright, and he told me we got to be very friendly. And he told me his life story. He was a wild kid in L.A., and um, he was picked up, uh, could be banned, CSY, and he wound up in Arsameach, and he heard of my shirm, and he comes in, and um, he goes back to uh, Arsameach, and he tells his Rebbe, there's all without my knowledge, and he says to his Rebbe there, why are you so anti-YU? You know, they have a Talmud, Rav Rakefit gives wonderful shayurim, and he quotes his Rebbe, Rav Salavechik, and he says, he says to his Rebbe there, do you know that uh, Rav Salavechik was a member of the Moetzot Gedalei HaTorah? And the Rebbe there, well, the harm that he did is unforgivable, gets hysterical, Shek of a Chosef, is telling you lies, and the kid comes back to me, and I tell him, look, it's in my silver book, but I'll tell you what the source is, it's in Hapades. So this kid goes to the National Library and he takes out Hapades, I believe it was October 1941, and Xerox is the page, the Rav is a member. All right then, this kid goes back to America and I have high hopes for him. I think he got his bachelor's in Turo and he remember he sent me a paper he did from Masters. I made some corrections on it. And then I find out that 10, 15 years later, he's, he, he's a total apicurist. There's no God, has a whole blog involved in deep philosophy. And he says it all began when that Rebbe told me Rakefet is making it up. And I take a look in Hapades. There it is. The Rebbe is a member of the Moetzet. So please be honest in your dealings with students. And it breaks my heart. Kenny, your Rebbe is a dummy. You should know I, I, I contacted him. I contacted him. And I found out his email. I wrote to him. And I got back a very beautiful letter. I remember you fondly in your classes and your dedication. And the upshot of the letter was, mind your own business and don't bother me today. It's not my only student. There's a lady, very famous. I'm not going to. I don't want to mention names, obviously. And I, uh, I loved her. She was in the Chalan. I knew her parents, and her family, and I. Not happy with what happened, and uh, I asked her family's permission to contact her, and I contacted her. The upshot was, oh, Rebbe, you know, you're a great guy, and I never met someone so honest and decent and upright, etc. But the bottom line, if you know a little Yiddish, keep your nose far from here. Freedom of choice. And uh, I was in contact with her twice, about ten years apart, because she published something, and I complimented her, my wife complimented her, and we got back a beautiful letter, and she said she'll get back to us again and deal with my questions. But uh, it's like Meot Sitang comes to class tomorrow. That's uh, the way she got back to me. All right. In relation to Rabbi Elkanah Schwartz, uh, Elliot Kaplan, who I know, uh, wrote to me, um, uh, you began your class by mentioning the petira of Rabbi Elkanah Schwartz, your old close friend. When you asked the class... Nobody knew who he was, but I interacted with him many years ago. 
In the mid-70s, I got my first Yomim Noraim Shtela as Baal Shachris and Baal Tokeya in Hishu. Congregation Kol Israel on St. John's Place, two blocks north of Eastern Parkway. I was Baal there for three straight years. He was still single at the time. I remember him delivering very thoughtful dresses and he carried himself in a most significant manner. He was the reason that the shul survived all these years. As of late, it has a bit of a revival with the young Wayu Musmach at his new rav. Anyway, Chaval al the Avdim. So I'm happy at least some other people remember El Schwartz. I also want to mention that this is quite important for a student of my group, Hitchatsky. Uh, I'm always criticizing uh, Rabbi Greenberg, Rabbi Hartman. So I have to tell you, Yitz Greenberg just had an article in Jerusalem Post last week, The Binding of Isaac and Israeli Children. And I have to tell you, I agree with every single word in the article. So, Lanyan, Halavai Yitz Greenberg would agree with me on other matters. Here I agree with him 100%, and I'll tell you something that Yitz Greenberg probably may or may not know. David Hartman and I fought bitterly over Kedat Yitzchak. If you're familiar with Hartman's writings, the Rub said that the most important pasture in the Torah is Kedat Yitzchak. You know, it sets the agenda that we're living until this very moment, December 3rd, January 20th, November 20th, where are we? December 3rd, 2023. This is the very moment we're living. Listen to the news this morning. Listen to the news last week. Listen to the news since October 7th. Once again, if we don't know the Pasha, we don't have the strength to survive. Dubi Hartman took issue with the Rav and called this uh, a statement of terror. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the word he used, terror. And they fought over it. I'm happy to tell you that Jitz Greenberg comes down on the side of Moreno Rabbeinu Rab Salavechik. Okay. Again, um, I mentioned that um, uh, in the latest issue of Hakira, there are a number of very fascinating articles for me, personally, dealing with Jewish history, Torah history. And one of the articles, David Corwin, deals with uh, the, the Rabbi Berkowitz and Rabbi Soloveitchik. <coughs> very fascinating article. So I made one correction that... Uh, the article states that they both studied with Rabbi Warg, but there's a big difference. Rabbi Berkowitz became the Talmud Muvhak of Rabbi Chiyo Yaakov Weinberg. I can't go on further. I could lecture for the next year on their relationship. But the Rav, if you look at uh, my work on the Rav in volume one, where I talk about his Berlin uh, sojourn, so in my footnote, I write the Rav audited classes at Hildesheimer. 
I should have been more clear. In other words, I wrote, I'm writing about the Rav. I remember explaining to uh, uh, Yosef Burg, Rabbi Doctors, Chavek Knesset, Sabim, and Shavit Yisrael, after talking with him, I said, you know, I'm going to use the word audit. So he said to me, no, he's not an accountant. I said, but there's another meaning in, in America. I don't know England, I don't know Germany, but there's another meaning to audit. It means to occasionally attend a class. It's like someone comes in uh, once a month to see if I'm alive and kicking. So we that's the... Yeah, no, I audit. So that, but I, 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 David Corman was in touch with me. I want to tell him I take the blame for his mistake. I should have been so much clearer that he never was a regular student. It's not that he, he was. You see, to put it to you just in one sentence, the Rav was Kulo Brisk. People don't understand that. I don't know if you know in this room, uh, uh, the editor of Ami and his, his son and nephew danced around me when I said, you know how to describe the Rav? A brisker in the Western world. And they were overjoyed because that's the Rav. Berkowitz became, it wasn't brisk anymore. It, it became a synthesis between Torah and everything else around. It's a synthesis of Torah in the Western world. Elchil Yaakov Weinberg was like that. He was no longer pure Slabatka, but the Rav remained pure Brisk in the Western world. It's not like Brisk Yerushalayim, that's Brisk in Yerushalayim, not the Western world. They would like to be Brisk and Brisk, but they're right that they can't achieve because they're not willing to live on bread and water. But uh, the Rav, and, and I use the word audit, in terms of distinction to being a student. So I, I want to thank David Gordon for getting in touch with me. And I take uh, responsibility I should have been clearer, but all right, when I write, I, I can't spell everything out or the books would turn into a thousand pages, not hundreds of pages. All right. Uh, finally, I just want to correct something, but this is part of the Monday class, so maybe I'll leave it to tomorrow with the Vilna going and the sleeping story and what I said in class. One step further, just to remind everyone that next Sunday and Monday there are no classes, the Kolo has off, it's Hanukkah, and tomorrow, Vic, are we on? So I have to announce that tomorrow after class, there's a Lechayim and uh, Brandy and, and uh, what do I call them? Not Kichlaf, what's the, is, what do I call it? What's the word? Is my mind blocks out uh, a, a, a little bit. Uh, and uh, in honor of my birthday. So... So uh, that's tomorrow. Okay. Now, we a very fascinating and difficult share today. Difficult in the sense. I told you I grew up very naive. From the age of 11 on, my entire life centered around Am Yisrael, Torah Yisrael, and Eretz Yisrael. And it's hard to believe people, the sins, the syndromes, they claim they're born that way. 
others far from born. And uh, this was the question that Rabbi Nasha Klein got. Mishnah Halachat Chelek Tetzayin Siman Nun Chet. The Shaila comes to 002. Are you allowed to report people to the authorities? And we're talking about people who beat up children. Uh, this person is a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And children, he sees, they come beaten up. Worse than that, sexual deviation. Report to the authorities. Uh, you know, I never dreamt that this could happen, but it does. Uh, imagine a teacher picks on his students, male students. Imagine a male teacher picks on his female students. Imagine a female teacher picks on her female students. That lady, Malka Leifer, is in jail in Australia today. And these are real instances. I mentioned that uh, YU had two uh, famous cases that reached every newspaper in the world. It's not just the New York Times, but the Israeli press. When there's no war on, the paid look for uh, information to publish. So, it, you know, this was like, who my daughter, Simcha, why you? And one of the, these people live here today. And they're very, very, very unhappy. And uh, I did, I told you, I did my own investigation. It turned out that my conclusions were exactly what the blue ribbon panel that why you paid millions of dollars to investigate we all reached the same conclusion. One of the people involved was guilty as charged, and one of the people just used poor judgment. But there was really no uh, sexual decadent behavior involved. By the way, the word I was looking for with the cakes is ruglach. Is that, that's the word they use in Israel, ruglach. Okay, not to, in America we say a kiddish, bramf mit kichlach. But here it's ruglach. You know, I'm only here 54 years, but still the kichl remains and the, the ruglach I have to think about. Now, um, th this is the whole question. And I showed you last week the Shulchan Aruch that Mesira is not permissible to give someone over to Koyim. Not permissible. And we get involved here not just giving someone over to Goyim, and you're going to see sources this weekend, the next time we meet, it's not uh, not a simple matter. You'll see sources uh, that Rome wasn't built in a day, and unfortunately these problems, Rakefet is naive, but these problems have always been with us. I always, you know, when I dealt with the Nod of Yehuda, with the Shiloh, with the, uh, again, it's unbelievable, but the Nod of Yehuda is dealing with her, Remember, he, uh, a, a son-in-law who's a big Talmud Chacham is carrying on an affair with his mother-in-law in the house, in the same house. And the Shaila wish should he tell his father-in-law or he'll have to divorce his wife. The father-in-law will have to divorce the mother-in-law. I mean, and, and the Nobi Huda gives this guy so many titles. If you recall, I said to the class, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, I said to the class, Halavai the Nobi Huda would give me these titles without the sins, but wow. So you see, Rakefit's naive, but these are people. 
my daughter, who's a Tawanit, says to me many times, Abba, you're naive. You know, she tells me stories that come up in the but they didn't. Remember what I told you last week? Rabbi Yeshev never smiled. There are reasons why. And you'll see that in a minute why. But uh, this is life. So we'll, we'll come back to Rabbi Menashe Klein. You're going to see his whole outlook. It's not going to be, we're not going to finish today, but you're going to see where he comes from a different world than our world of 2024, where we're all influenced by democracy, the Western world. You have a different outlook. But first, let's see the Nishmat Avraham. And I introduced you to the Nishmat Avraham last week, Rabbi Avraham Sof Avraham, world-famous doctor, and he wrote a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, dealing with medical problems. And here, on the very Shulchan Aruch, we quoted from Choshen Mishpat, I'm quoting from, I gave you the source last week, Avit Avraham, Kerech Dalit, and we're on page Reish Zion, and uh, he has a whole footnote that... Uh, despite the fact that the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, you can't be miser on a Jew, but here you're dealing with Sakonit Nefashat. And a kid comes to a doctor, a kid comes to a psychologist, beaten up, his parents beat the heck out of him. Can you tell the authorities? And he consults three Gedolei Yisrael, I happen to have known all three of them, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Orbach. I don't have to tell you who he was. Rabbi Eliezer Yehuda Waldenberg, who was the rub, by the way, for Sharei Tzedek Hospital, the Tzitz Eliezer, and Rabbi Yashiv, Avvetan in Yudushalayim. And all three said the same thing, that parents that beat a kid have a dinner of Rodef. And you absolutely have to be miser. In other words, Mesira has its limits. Right? Could be Yossi uh, wrote a check and it bounced. All right. Don't know if you have to be miser him on writing. By the way, anyone writes checks today? I haven't written a check in decades, in years already. I don't know if it's a decade. I, whatever money I give my grandchildren and great-grandchildren... It's terrific in Israel. It's a machaya. You sit at your desk and you transfer the money, you to the kid, and you write Karov Mishpachad, gives you a choice. You know, Mark, you know why you have to pick Karov Mishpachad? Because if I transfer money to my children, grandchildren, Masach Nasal say, wait, you're getting money under the table. What is this? Halbanat Kesef. My grandfather, my father, my great grandfather gave the. Oh, gave you a gift? God bless your grandfather. You follow me? Karov Mishpacha. Israel is very good that way. It has no limit. It's not crazy like America. Here, a good parent cares about his children. It's a, it's a different concept here. So, I don't know. Could be if you play games with money, all right? Let God worry about him. It's not my business to throw him into jail. But when someone beats a kid... Where do you draw the line? All right? the, you know, they give a kid a smack is one thing. Then you punch him. 
You take a belt, you buy the shvela. Where do you draw the line? Rodef and all three Gedolei Yisrael said the same thing. More than that, Rav Waldenberg, and we're going to see Chatam Seifer, if not today, next time we meet, Rav Waldenberg says, even in Chutzlaretz, if the social workers tell the police, take this kid out of his house, Put him up for adoption. Give him to a foster family. Put him to an institution. He might be transferred to a Gaisha family. And nevertheless, Rav Aldenberg says, you don't worry about that. The doctor is only a Goyrim at most. Worry about the kid surviving is much more important. And maybe when the kid grows older and he's old enough to make his own decision, he'll say to the authorities, I want a Jewish family, I want a religious family. By the way, I need not tell you in the state of Israel, this plays a very big role. In other words, the social workers are very attuned to the fact that a kid from a religious home, it's not Ben-Gurion's time. What Ben-Gurion sinned against us is endless with all the scut he has for establishing the state. But you all know what went on here where kids came orphans after the Holocaust. Kids came from the Sephardic countries and they were sent to religious kibbutzim. We have uh, memoir literature. Memoir literature does not lie where a kid is in a kibbutz and they come in with a chicken and hit the chicken over the head with a hammer and say in the state of Israel, we don't need shaykhtim. You follow? So it's a very delicate issue. You take a kid, there were big outcries here. Remember the, the Iran, uh, the children from Iran, that Washkenaz children who got out of Europe and got to Iran and came here, and they were put into religion. There was a tremendous outcry. Finally, the Mizrahi was, still had power then, and they forced, to a certain degree, the hand of the government was forced, that if the kid requested it, or the kid came, they knew from a religious background, they put him into a religious kibbutz, but we didn't have the facilities. It was very difficult. And that's the Mizrahi homes that throughout the country, the women, the Shem Mizrahi, Amit women today, these homes, that goes back to the 40s with the orphans that came, and, and we needed a place to put them. Aguda put up the Parish family, there was Beit Pleitot, a lot of good work was done, but the government, Ben-Gurion, sinned. All right, kid gets older, he can request, he can fend for himself, say, I'm religious. But the truth of the matter is, if a kid is brought up irreligious, it's going to be very hard for him to be religious. But you see, is it better the kid is dead or is the kid alive? You follow me, Kenny? Better the kid is alive, even if he's irreligious, than the kid is beaten to death by his parents. So I can understand Rav Waldenberg's psak, and I have to tell you, you'll see, uh, he has, ye, it, 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 now, then they go further. What about someone, and I have to tell you, it brought back memories. I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably naive until today, but this happened in the 70s. 
Uh, for 31 years I taught women. And I taught some wonderful women. I uh, am proud to tell you who they are today, what they've accomplished. And some of the very women I taught are my own, Malka and my own, our own personal doctors are women I taught. My first question, whenever I travel all over the world, remember I've taught Torah all over the world, and I've been invited to many homes, so many times I would ask the lady of the house, how did I treat you in Mahon Gold and Michala? Was I a nice to Rebbe? You were fabulous. I say, okay, now I know I can eat. I don't have to worry that the, there's poison in the food. You follow? When, when Putin eats, all the food he eats is tasted beforehand and analyzed by doctors to be sure there's no poison. So uh, a girl comes over to me, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't even mention the, the, the school her brother was in. Uh, she tells me, her, you know, brother in this yeshiva wears a black hat, etc. And I, I, today I have a, a grandson married to the Rosh Hashiva, had no children, he's, he's married to the Rosh Hashiva's great niece. And uh, her brother rapes her constantly. This is a girl, let's say at the age, how old was she when she came to me? Had to be at least 18 or 19 because it was a Macon Gold and generally at that time they came in the middle of college. And, and the girl tells me and she was talking in the, in the teacher's room and she's crying. I, I, I was flabbergasted. No, then I found out Loa Lenu Shem Yerachim, it's not something very rare, unfortunately, where girls are raped by their fathers, by their uncles, by their cousins. I know other guts are lot and what I have seen in my life, what I've experienced. Children of students of mine, first cousins, children. Girl's life was ruined. First cousin raped her and raped her and raped her. And, and you cannot tell what happens afterwards. In this particular case, the girl had to be institutionalized. God have mercy. They sent her to a special place in the Boston area, Galat You'll see the Khatam Seifer. They did the right thing. It didn't help. It didn't help, ultimately. God have mercy. God have mercy. So now the question is, how do you consider rape? Is it like Ritzicha? Well, the answer is very simple. The three cardinal sins. What are they? One of them deals with the Muna, with Avedazara, but the other two, murder and a riot. And according to the poskim, and here you have exactly the same psak that if a girl comes and testifies and she's being raped, you absolutely have to take it further and report it to the authorities. And, and you'll, you'll see the, uh, the, the commentary here in detail in the Psak. And, you know, they, they, they analyze it. Uh, let, let, me, let me tell you what I mean by analyzing. Tell me, uh, raping a man, a man raping a man, a man raping a woman, single girl, no way should 
Could be the punishment is less. But this is what Rebel Yashiv says. Psychologically, it destroys the individuals. It is just like murder. There's physical murder, there's psychological murder. You destroy these people for life. And absolutely don't make any distinction. Absolutely report them to the authorities. And I can tell you, Rabbi Yashiv, I don't know how much experience, I hope that Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Orbach had as, as much experience as I have had with these cases. There were a few, you can't avoid it. As naive as I was, I was shocked, I was shocked. I, 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 and, I, and I told you with Michala, when that case broke, and it must be in 20 years ago already, well, 15 years ago, my grandson today is, wow, pushing 40. And I remember I came back from the Kotel and the story broke, a five-page story, well-researched in Yediyot Achronot, the magazine section, and the teacher who blew the whistle uh, had been my student in the early 70s. And her student, a teacher, came on to her. I don't want to mention his name. I uh, Sickening, sickening. Someone that he came on the scene after I left Nicholas. I think my last year there, they brought him in. He was from Chicago. There was a whole Chicago clique in Michalak. Rabbi Koopman was married a girl from Chicago and studied in Chicago for a while. I think he had his doctorate from there, Hebrew Theological College. And uh, so I came back from the cult. I remember my uh, grandson says to me, Saba, what are you so upset? At least there was a man and a woman, not a man and a man. All right, he's right. We can make a distinction, a differentiation. But what you do to a person, how you ruin their mental state, Hashem Yerachim, and, and absolutely report them. Now, you'll find in the halacha that with the din of Mesira, there's a concept of Meitzal Rabin. You'll find it in the exact source I gave in Chashim Mishpat. It's discussed, uh, discussed by many. What does Meitzal Rabin mean? You know, it's one thing if uh, we said before, Yossi uh, bounced the check. Okay. But Meitzal Rabin, when it's a pitfall for everyone, for, for the community, and here's where you come to the question that why you and haunts us, and I told you about it last week. What good does it do just to fire the person, to get rid of the person? He goes on, and it'll continue elsewhere. No one will know. And uh, this is what why you was accused of, and even my Rebbe, and that's what I told you last week, that I find myself guilty. Remember the story I told you? True story. I, I, again, I see this la- young lady before my eyes, and it was Tachnit Yud Gimel. It was the first year of Tachnit Yud Gimel. And uh, a teacher, can't you imagine, this is a girl is coming to Israel, coming, Pekedusha Vitara. 
and he teach you with the beard and the right wing, and he, and he comes on to her with vulgarities. So I never thought of going to the dean. In other words, I helped this girl on a personal level. Uh, Yehuda, though she remains over the decades, she gave tens of thousands of dollars to Russian courses in Miami. You followed Shvetami. But I never went to the dean. That was wrong. The same thing with YU. We never thought of it. You understand? In the 80s, 90s, 80s, when these scandals broke, so they said, why did the Rav? The Rav told this individual, you can no longer teach men. Leave the institution. Okay. He went on Aliyah to Israel. He never taught again. He did good things, I have to say, but he never taught again. He was involved with Nefesh Benefesh. But why didn't the Rav go to the police? Then Mark Rabbi Lamb, remember or not, they went after Rabbi Lamb, the New York Times got involved. Why did he not tell the world? But you see, our mental state was, we didn't know what to do. We were shocked. We were flabbergasted. And we didn't tell the world. We fired him. We got rid of him. I helped the girl. I should have gone to the dean and said, Gabby, if you don't get rid of this mamza, I'm leaving. And I was a popular teacher. He would have been a little bit upset. I'm leaving. I think so. Maybe he would have said, oh, Baruch Hashem, we'll get rid of our Catholic. Save, save us a salary. I don't know. Uh, but, but you follow me, Elliot? This is so... You should know that all the posts agree here that absolutely make it public. People have to know because who makes Salah Rabbim and we Sha'ota Morello Yam Shikh Petakohara Ah Lobek Sefer Zeh the Lobek Sefer Acher. Okay? And this is halacha lemaisa. And that's what I told you about last week. I have a big schut that when a certain scandal broke that shook up the world and almost destroyed the OU, you have no idea how bad that scandal was with NCSY because Balabatim get riled up right away. People don't think. It almost destroyed the OU, not the Kashrit, but the other part of the OU, the great work that the OU does in CSY and Yachad, etc. And Balabatam, yelling, there's plenty of politics involved. It's, some of it has been written up. Uh, there are books available already, memoirs that, that deal with it. And the Gantra, read Dr. Mendy Gantra's volume. I don't think he's alive. Am I right, Vic? I don't think Mendy's alive. Zephonah Levracha was a year ahead of me in Yeshiva, Yirat And he lived it. It destroyed his presidency. And Rabbi Butler, the executive director, Yirat Sadik, and this, don't ask, don't ask. And, and this guy is looking for a job and they're willing to bring him to Australia. And I had the schut, I had the contact. I said to my dear friend, Svi Groner, call your uncle and tell him right away the background. Don't dare bring him to Australia. And thank God they thanked me afterwards. His uncle, Svi's uncle, was the famous rabbi, David Groner, 
of Melbourne, he built Yiddishkeit in Australia, Shaluach of the Rebbe, early 50s, mid 50s, but unbelievable. But see, this is the problem. You're, you're so hesitant. You don't know what to do. You know, it's someone, he's he davens three times a day, he puts on tefillin. Go and dream what a maneuver the same person can be. Dr. Jekyll, help me out, and Mr. Hyde. Exactly, exactly. Now, there's one underlying problem here with all that I've said, and this is something that you have to have siyata dishmaya that you work it out properly. And what's the underlying problem? And I'm quoting here from the Nishmat Avraham from these poskim, but it's common sense. Look, in life, not everyone is a nice person. We're born, uh, Freud, uh, you know, became famous with the realities of human disposition. I have one student, uh, one student, one chave, one classmate from high school. And he's right. I always fought to get good marks. And I don't know, I did something in high school that bothered him. We were both in Dr. Charles' class, the French class, and, uh, or no, the Spanish class, Yo hablo espanol. Como esta usted? Muy, muy, I once knew Spanish. And, and I remember I, I battled with him, who is the best kid in the class? And he, he once told me off years later in Israel, we were both here many decades, and I said, you're right. The older I got, I never battled with anyone. I was never jealous of anyone. Uh, I have to be honest with you, it's not that I'm a tzaddik, but in my first rabbinate, 61-62, I was executed. Dalad mitat I went through hell. And boy, that was the greatest experience of my life. It totally humbled me, and I lost my ego, and... That is fabulous not to have an ego. And I challenge you, my dear students of 64 years, have you ever seen a Rebbe like yours truly without an ego? Famous Rebbitson said to me, Rebaran, and she said, I don't understand, you have no ego. She says, my husband and all his friends, these famous rabbis, boy, that's one reason. Second reason, I married the right girl. See, my wife never let me grow a beard and payers and black clothes, and she never let me take a, a cane with a golden handle from Vic and, you know, make believe. And can you should hear some of these characters, the way they speak. You might think, whenever anyone gives me a compliment, and I got a beautiful compliment from your father. Did you thank your father for me? Do me a favor. Are you mad at your father? You speak with him how many times a week? Three times? Three or four or five. Good. Okay. That's good. Next time you speak with him, tell him I thank him. But when anyone gives me a compliment, I think to myself, the rub is here, of Meish is here, who the heck am I? Okay. But you see, because of human relations, tell me, Kenny, you're a teacher. You gave this student a 70 and his friend's got 90. This kid is going to go to the principal and say, 
my teacher, if she's a girl, wanted to seduce me. Is it true or isn't true? Kid is mad at his parents. He runs out, goes to the police. We've had cases like this here in Israel. Goes to the police. My parents are beating me. So, so you see here it's a very delicate question. And this you all know. It's, uh, they tell you to go to Rabbanim. Okay. I would tell you it's a very delicate question. Tell me. Rabbi Dr. Mark, trained rabbi, are you trained in these type of problems? You see, in in, in a advanced society, you have to have experts. And here I give the social works workers in Israel and the police department. They have experts that a kid will come and say, well, my parents beat me. Within 20 minutes, they'll tell you whether the kid is telling the truth or not. You with me, Kenny? I can tell you better. Mishteret Yisrael has a whole division of women with shaitals who are officers. You know what they're experts in? Dealing with the Haredi community. A girl comes in, I was raped. Date rape. Teacher raped me. Can you handle it? Can I handle it? Can Mark handle it? Absolutely not. These women know the Haredi mentality, the Haredi language. They'll tell you after one interview, is it true or not true? And see, this is where you have to be very careful that a person is not taking revenge, is not angry. You understand? All the cycle, I'm not jealous. Remy, you gave me a 70. I deserve a 90. But you're a thief. You don't want me to tell the world. You, you robbed my uh, sonsinos. I don't know. Follow me? I used to, I told you. I, uh, you, you don't know this. In the 60s, you can ask, Mark, you can ask your cousin David. If I caught a kid with a sonsino, I took it away. I put it in the closet. I put his name on it and put it in the closet. I said, look, in June, you'll all get back your sonsinos. But you'll thank me because it'll force you to master the Aramaic now. You follow me, Kenny? And then take back the Sancinos. The Rev had a Sancino, which they say was all mocked up. He corrected words, translations. It was a, I would love to see a Sancino. But a kid of 15, something, master shots first, the language. Kid will accuse you, you robbed my... I did, I robbed the Sancinos. <laughs> you say, well, it's very delicate. And, and here, this is what they say today. Uh, go to a rub. I don't know if you have to go. I, I, I would hate to think, go to a rub. The Rabbanim are not trained in this. Why you, I believe, does give lectures. Am I right today? Anyone, they do give lectures to help you and prepare you for questions like this. And kalakavod to why you, I think it's the result of how the Torah began, and why you broadened their program in counter-reaction to how the Torah. But I don't know if today in Israel, go to a rav. I don't know if that's the right address. But I can tell you the police 
with their own offices and with social workers are attuned to these problems. Okay. Now, I want to quote one more thing from the Nishmat Avraham. Omali Hagoyin Rav Yosef Shalom Elishav Shlita El Yashiv Shlita Today's Etzal She'ein Chavdel Bein Arim V'Narot Ki Beduba B'Chol Ofen Al Pegia Nafshit Chamura V'Kein Sakana L'Rabim I need not tell you this is a crucial psak and it shows the depth of Ravel Yashiv's understanding and unfortunately it probably comes about through many cases that came before him but it shows you the depth of his understanding don't make cheshbonah that a man is worse of a sin it's mishkevei zacha raping a woman raping a girl the result on the human being is just as bad it's a destruction of a human being and you see they lose poise they lose they lose the ability to believe anyone they lose the ability to forge a good relationship later. You have no idea how this impacts on life. And then you take a girl who's been raped, the girl can be pregnant, they do an abortion, do an abortion illegally, it's not a good job, they abort, but the girl can never become pregnant again. You have no idea on the impact these type of situations can make on a life structure. And remember, what is life about? Marriage, love, dedication, trust. And someone who's been through this, 90% of the time, they suffer the rest of their lives. Trust, dedication. And Rabbi Yashiv's Psak here, 100% correct. Now, let me go a step further. Um, back in the Mishnah Halachot, and he makes all these quotes, and uh, he says, we have to raise many questions after this introduction. And question number one, the basic question you're asking me, and I love this Hebrew there, it's modern Hebrew, Yelet Shemuval Rofen Tizmonet Shel Hayeletan Mukah and it's being beaten by one of his parents or both of his parents. Can you go to the authorities. And remember, there's always the fear they'll take the child away. In America, they'll put the child in a non-Jewish house. In Israel, they'll put the child in an irreligious house. Can you go to the 
police. Then, number two, what about a father who rapes his young daughter and the school in which she studies finds out she confides in her teacher or confides in her doctor or confides in a friend of the family? Can you tell the police? Question number two. What about in school that a teacher comes on to a student? Can you tell the police? Number four. He doesn't stop. Maybe there's no question here. There's a law, dinner, the Malchutta dinner. Now, I don't have to tell you, I just touched upon dinner, the Malchutta dinner. I'm proud to tell you many decades before many of you sitting in front of me or on the screen were born, I gave in the kolil, I think, two years worth of Sheyurim on dinner, the Malchutta dinner. And uh, I later published in tradition it reappears, I think, in volume two, Rakafararon. It's one of the articles, one of the research papers I've published on the dinner. That article has been republished quite a few times, including with the Elif Society and the book they published on, uh, on, on these type of problems. It's their lead article. And uh, it's, it's quite, quite a research paper. But there's one question. How far does Dinah the Malchutta go? In other words, Dinah the Malchutta that I shouldn't cross on a red light, no one questions that that's Dinah the Malchutta. That I have to pay taxes and that I have to put postage stamps on letters, everyone agrees that's Dinah the Malchutta dinner. But then you get into an area like this, Messira, Jew to non-Jews, Beaten, tortured, beaten, beit mishpat, not the halacha. Do you have to tell the authorities how far does dinner the malchut go? And does it apply? So it's not a simple question. Dinner the malchut, Shabbat, Kashrut, communist Russia. Six days a week you had to work had to work by law. How far does it go? How far can you, do you have to be Moshe Nefesh because of Dinah the Malchata? And Yehudidov, I'll take it further one step. Uh, communist Russia, were you alive in 1917? When the communists took power, all possessions, you see, became government possessions. Now see, Jacobs, your grandfather owned a big factory in Moscow. They produced chariots before cars, mikavot. It's a true story. Not your grandfather. This is a true story, but... And uh, you go to buy. Wait a minute. Who gets the money? The government. It's your factory. Your grandfather... Who was asked this, Shiloh? No, Rabbi Meshe Soloveitchik. Remember his answer? He was in Haslovich on the communist Russia, 1917. And 
1919, I think, till they got out, or 1921, check my work on the Rub, the year they got out to Poland. And Reb Meishev Paskin didn't the Malchuta, but not Hamsuna the Malchuta. You follow? And, and uh, now I'll take it further. Elliot, have you visited Russia? You didn't never visit. Who here visited Russia? Am I the only one? Yelma, when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. You were born in Kiev. You were in Leningrad ever? You were at the Hermitage? So what are you raising your hand? You're an Amaritz. You lived in Russia and you didn't go to the Hermitage? So you go to the Hermitage. You know what I'm talking about, the Hermitage? Oh, you don't even know, Kenny. It's one of the most famous art museums in the world in Leningrad. People all go to Leningrad to see the Hermitage. Hermitage has so many paintings. You look up one level, two levels, three levels, big ceilings from Tsarist time. And wow, what paintings. No, Natan, are you allowed to look at the paintings? These were all robbed from private homes. Your great-grandfather was a wealthy Jew in Leningrad. He had beautiful paintings, Rembrandt, whatnot. They came and took it, state property. You try to get out of Russia with a wedding ring, they took it away on the spot. You're going to Israel, give us state property. It's not yours. Everything belongs to the state. And I'm asking an interesting Shaila. Are you allowed to look at these paintings? They were all robbed. All right, could be you're allowed that this is not Hanoi, you're not doing anything. The paintings are hanging, the whole question of a coal, looking, Ria, etc., we spoke about this with radio on Shabbos, listening to your neighbor's radio, all right. But more important than the answer is the fact that you have to ask the question. And how far does Dina de Malchutta go? Do you snitch the kids? Let the rabbis take care of it. No, the law says the school has to report it to the police. All right. A fifth question, and here you're going to laugh because um, he brings in Torah Masorah. This may be the first time Torah Masorah is represented in responsa literature. And he says, a teacher that was sent away because of his miscreant behavior. Do we have to publicize it so that no other school should hire him? And he says, do we have to go to Torah Mesorah? Kigon Torah Mesorah. They have a blacklist, like why you had in the 50s. No, what am I talking about? Gentlemen, why you, the blacklist, JTS, the blacklist, the army, the chaplains, Mark, they made a decision that you, they would do a lottery and the low numbers, chaplaincy. If you don't go, you are blacklisted. They will never give you a job. Not recommend you for the rabbinate. 
monk, you know, about the sonat. And, and there was a goral, a, a lottery. And, and who came out in favor? Dr. Belkin needed help. Murray Rebbe. Read Maddie Helfgott's book, The Rub's Public Issues, Letters, Documents. He was in favor. Absolutely. And I remember Chaverim, you got a low number, you had to go into the chaplaincy. It's be right after my time. My time, it was still totally voluntary. Right afterwards, I think it was the Korean War, whatever, Vietnam afterwards, they had to force. JTS in World War II, they had a lottery. And I had a professor... Uh, Milton Arthur, Professor Arthur, Hebrew literature. He was a JTS graduate. How did he wind up teaching in Yeshiva College? Because he refused to become a chaplain in World War II. He was blacklisted by the seminary. Yeshiva College hired him. He was a wonderful teacher. Arthur, you've met members of the family. It's a from A-R-F-A. And he must be a great... But... Lottery pressure, a list, blacklist, teachers, want to hire a teacher, let me check with Torah Masora if this man is not blacklisted from his Korean behavior. And the truth of the matter is, if you see someone who's taught here and moved here and taught in the third place, well, you have to check it out. Hadavah Hazed Doresh who is he? Why did he move around? What was the problem? Why did he leave? See, that's another question. And, and then he has question six. Well, I guess Tyson with question five, actually. But do you publicize a name? And here, uh, uh, Rabbi Menashe Klein, you see... He lives in two worlds. You'll see that next week, next time we meet. He lives in two worlds. He is the old world, Europe, no trace of modernity. Every type of dress that we had, beard, payers, Beckisha, Strymel, sacred. And on the other hand, he understands the modern world. He knows English. He talks to YU people. He answers questions from YU people. And here, he says, I'm aware that scientific research shows that people that have these problems, they repeat the crimes. And this is very true. Unfortunately, someone that has a temper, what do they call it? They give classes today, anger control. Do I have the right word? Anger management. Anger management. Someone has a temper. I know a rabbi. I know a rabbi. Uh, he had a big stella. Let me not mention his name. I know him well. He had a big stella. And uh, he would get angry. And they elected a president he didn't like. He sent around the whole email. If you don't reconsider, I'm out. And the Balabatan said to him, you're out. 
So he wanted to come back. There's an absolute true story. They said, all right, we like you as a rabbi, you're learned, you're intelligent, you're this, you're that, but you have a rotten temper. You have to take a course and show that you passed temper management. That's the word? I don't even know the word. What's it called? Anger management. Anger management, whatever. Anyway, he told them to go fly a kite, and he went on. He's a professor, and he has a little shoe. In other words, there's going to be need for another shoe. Why? We Jews don't know how to get along. There's always a guy. He didn't be, I, if I can quote Rakefet, how were so many young Israels formed? A guy had Yotzeit for his father, and he didn't get mafta that Shabbos. Goes out the door, forms a different young Israel. The heck with it. So there's always a need. So he has a shul a few blocks away. A little shul, he rents space from a Jewish organization. All the malcontents stop him there. But you see, uh, you, you, someone that has a temper, it's going to show time and again. You can ask Yomo what I'm talking about. When you have that ability to yell, to shout, wow, it's going to come back to haunt you. Allah kama bakama, someone that has a deviant sexual urge. God have mercy. Can you ever trust this person? Trust in marriage? Deviant sexual urge? So, Rabbi Menashe Klein says, I understand that it's very important to publicize who these people are. Shalom you old karbanot. And that's exactly, exactly accurate, 100%. And I have to tell you, uh, I, I, again, I don't want to mention names, going back a long time in my life. But I remember someone who later became a big rebel against the, the Torah as why you understand it. So I remember he's giving advice to a kid. A kid looks up to him and he says he has this sexual drive. All right, it's normal. The kid is 20, 21. The hormones, if he didn't have that drive, who would marry? It's an open Gemara. Yoma and Sanhedrin and an open Medrash Rabba Breshit. I can cite it all. I did. I spent the whole year on this in the Kolil years ago. But so he comes and I'm listening. And he says to this kid, look, you have the sexual drive, all right? You do what you have to do. And then you do tshuva. Then the drive comes again. So you do what you have to do. Then you do tshuva. That's an answer? What kind of tshuva is this? A shuva Look at the Rambam, it's not Shuvah. You follow me, Yehuda? Not Shuvah. But this was the advice he was giving this kid. All right, a healthy sexual drive, all right. It's time either to sublimate it or to get married. I'm reading an army magazine about, uh, I picked it up in the street, it was thrown away. So they have a section on money, on money. And this guy explains his life story, and, and he turns 18, he's ready to get married. 
I like what he says. He says, I'm ready. And uh, he meets a guy. He's running. He's doing exercise. He meets another from guy running backwards in Lakewood. And they meet each other and they sit on the bench. And the guy says, I have a sister. And boy, it's four children later and they're very happily married. But whoever heard of such a thing? But the truth is, forget about a normal, healthy sexual drive. Someone who's a deviant, the chances are it's going to come back. You have to work very hard to get rid of it. And I can tell you with anger, which, all right, anger. The Gemara says when you get angry, you can be, it's like an Oved Aved Zara. People, when they get angry, they can throw kalim, they can rip things off the table. I've seen people get angry. And I remember the Rav. I told you, the Rav had a temper. Rav Moshe had a temper. They say Rav Aaron Soloveitchik was more like his mother. He was much calmer. He, he never, he, he, he could get angry, but only L'Shem Shemayim when he was talking about uh, conservative and reform and, and shoes without mechitzah, etc. But he never got angry on a personal level. The Rav could get angry in the my time. You all know the stories in the classroom. <laughs> we were frightened stiff. Read and read. Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb's Hespit for the Rav. You don't understand what I'm talking about. But uh, but one time the Rav was talking at Maria. And at Maria was very relaxed. He was in his element there. And Alskiven in Yiddish, nothing ever changed there into that Gaisha language called English. And he's talking at Maria. I heard him on tape. It must be in the early 70s. And he says, yeah, and anger, is, it's, it's a very bad trait. This is a mia samida, a bad, mia samida, hard to translate. It's a, a bad trait, a terrible trait. Am I right, Rick? What do you say? A mia samida. And he says, uh, says, yeah, ich probier, I'm trying to get rid of my anger. He says, I've taken a f- few lessons but I haven't succeeded yet. Uh, yeah, and, and everyone breaks into laughter. You hear the laughter. But boy, he is absolutely right here. And, and, then, and he, then he goes in the whole question, who's responsible for this? It's, it's, it's the parents have the basic responsibility but what about if other people know? Are you allowed to snitch? And what about if they take the children away? They take the children away from their parents. He says, Are you allowed to do such a thing? And then he says, and this is so important, I'm going to show you one of the most important uh, pages I ever wrote in my life and then he says all right there's no question that we Rabbanim have to get involved have to take responsibility and have to try to answer these questions and set standards for the Jewish people and he says why Beitin avihem shevitomim. That Beitin have a responsibility for children 
who don't have proper parents. And if that's the case, we cannot sit back. We have to answer these questions. We have to take responsibility. We have to guide, set standards, and see to it that Jews can live within the halacha without endangering the next generation, without endangering the people that we have authority over. And here I want to tell you, what do we mean, Beitin, Avihem, Shalyatomen, Sigmar and Gittnitz, a number of places in Shash, but Gittin, Lamed Zion, Amid Aleph. And here I refer you to a volume from Washington Avenue to Washington Street. The author, a guy named Rakefetesh Rothkoff. It's a good volume. Look on page, beginning on page 115. And uh, this is one of the defining moments in my life. And uh, what I've written here has been quoted and re-quoted. And the story is as follows. From a very early age, as I mentioned an hour ago, Eretz Yisrael, Lam Yisrael, Apitorat Yisrael, Benekim, became a very dominant part of my life. And suddenly, into YU, a young man comes in, one year younger than I am. His name is Chaim Gold. And... Uh, Chaim Gold had studied in Yerushalayim. You don't know what it meant to me, someone who studied in Yerushalayim. He's, it's not like today, we're going back to, to, the mid, to the 50s. Today, every Tom, Dick, and Harry has studied in Yerushalayim. This is the mid-50s. Kenny, are you familiar with the Rav, the world of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik. That's a piece of work. I know the author, how he pulled that all together. Yesh Mayayan, people that I think he edited it, it's all available. By the Shalayim, this was Minashamayim, read Washington, what the author tells how he came upon it all. The green pen. So I have there a story where the Rav unbelievably describes how this Meshulach comes into the Cheda in, in Haslavich and he's telling the youngsters speaking how he touched the Kaisel, he davens when he's at home at the Kaisel and, and the Rebbe in the Cheda, the Rav's Rebbe Rav Regensburg can't believe he's talking to a Jew who actually touched the stones. The stones of the Kotel. So, to me, what Chaim Gold meant, now who is Chaim Gold? Do you know Chaim Gold? He lives in Kew Gardens Hills. Right near Lihu Turkel. 
two houses away. He's my age, so you may not, he walks, to look at him, he looks 120, a long beard, black clothes, a cane, barely walk, I barely walk, he barely walks, but I look younger. You follow? When I have a beard, don't ask what I look like. Yehuda Dov, Chaim Gold, what did I tell you an hour ago? Where did I teach in the 70s into the 80s? Machon Gold, that's named after his father, Rabbi Zave Gold. Mark, you've ever been to Englewood, New Jersey, one of the most biggest kihilot in the United States of America. Englewood, New Jersey, Ahabat Torah. Who found it? Who was the first rabbi? Natan Rabbi Moshe Gold, the son of Rabbi Zev Gold. Rabbi Moshe Gold had a son, Chaim Gold. He sent Chaim to Israel, to his grandfather, to study. How can you get Torah in America? Yerushalayim? But Rabbi Moshe Gold died young. The widow brought Chaim home. She needed a son to be near her. So he wanders into what we call today Yeshiva University. And a kid named Ani Rothkoff and Chaim Gold become Chavruta. Okay. Now Ani Rothkoff, all right, he did learn in Lakewood. He was exposed to Lakewood. But for whatever the reasons, he went to college, high school, college, yeshiva. First year, Gold goes to college. It's a year behind me. Second year, I'm in my third year. He's in his second year. I see he's in the basement all day. I say, Chaim, why aren't you in college? It's the basement are you? Well, it gives me double talk. I don't think I go to college. A waste of time, you know. Learning, learning. You show me talk. So this kid, Ani Rothkoff, was a yenta. And Rothkoff decided that Chaim Gold is not doing the right thing. Not going to college. My Chavruta, my friend, so Rothkoff went over to his Rebbe. Rebbe, right after Shear, as I tell you, I'm living it. I say, Rebbe, right after Shear, the Rebbe's sitting here, I'm standing here. Standing right there. Gold already is out the door. Only a few guys are left around the Rebbe, the dedicated guys who drove the Rebbe crazy with their questions, I say, Rebbe, Chaim Gold is not going to college. He says, what? Bring him to me immediately. I go into the base mattress. I say, remember, the rubber's in room 102, right opposite the base mattress. I don't know what's there today, but my time. I say, Chaim, Rebbe wants to see you. We go back in together. Word by word, this is what the Rav says to him. Chaim, I'm responsible for you. You have no father. 
Your father's not around to guide you. Your father has passed away. I am responsible for you. Anu tells me, you don't wish to continue your college education? I'm, I'm quoting from word by word in English, the rough said it to me. Let me tell you something. Our sages say, Yofa Palmatora in Derech Eretz. And the Rav says, I'm not certain what the exact translation of Derech Eretz should be. However, I am I am positive. Nowadays, it means one has to go to college. Listen to me. Go upstairs and register for the semester. Now, this was after Sukkot. Chaim has no choice. He has to go upstairs. Told the Rav, Rebbe, it's late. They won't let me register. Registration is over. And the Rav says, no, 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 listen to me. Go upstairs. Chaim disappears. The Rav says to me, Arnold, who do I have to speak to? I say, Professor Silverman, he was the registrar. Come with me, come with me. We go to Dr. Belkin's office. Dr. Belkin's secretary, Girl Friday, every famous person has to have someone that you can trust who cares about you. And she took care of Dr. Belkin. Rabbi Lamb had a, a lady, I didn't know her name, but I was, I was once in his office. I couldn't get over how she hovered over him anything he wanted within a minute. Whatever, Dr. Lamb, Rabbi Lamb, Rabbi Lamb, Rabbi Lamb. So, Helen Atlas was her name. Helen Atlas, Rabbi Soloveitchik, what can I do for you? And he says, can you call up, get me Dr. Silverman? And he, she said, certainly, certainly later, Dr. Silverman, Rabbi Soloveitchik wants to speak to you. You can hear him speaking. The Rabbi gets on, this is Yosef Soloveitchik. Can you help me? I sent a student up to you he, to register whatever you will do to help him. I will appreciate. And with that, the conversation ends. A half hour later, I'm sitting in the basement. <coughs> Chaim Gold comes down and uh, he says to me, Arnie, you won't believe it. Silverman was so nice to me. No late fees Whatever classes I wanted, I was registered. And he said to me, be sure to tell your Rebbe, Rav Soloveitchik, how everything worked out for you. I didn't say a word. I bit my tongue. I didn't say a word. And if Chaim Gold graduated college, he owes it to Arnie Rothkopf. Yassi, do me a favor. Get in touch with Vishtandek. Tell him to look up Chaim Gold, get in touch with the Rabbi Dr. Lee Turkel, and tell him to tell Chaim Gold, I just spoke about him in class. He went on to be the most beloved teacher at the day school of Manhattan. What's in up the Upper West Side? What's it called? The, what, what's it called? Manhattan Day School. Correct, correct. He went on to be the most taught there for many, many decades. 
he married the sister of someone on the screen, a dear, dear friend of mine, Rabbi Yitzchak Rubin, Judy. Judy was Yitzchak's wife, Sarah, was his sister. We used to call her Carrot Top in Bnei Akiva. She had red hair. And uh, they had a beautiful marriage. Unfortunately, the Abish, the Lustnish, we never had it perfect in life. She died young. Sarah died young. Chaim never remarried. And uh, it, it was a beautiful marriage. And that's Chaim Gold. And I don't know. I don't know where he's at today. I don't know if he'll say, Rakefet, that rat, that Roshkoff, who the heck had to go to college? What good did it do me? All the time I wasted, how much learning I could have had. Or he could say, oh, I'm thankful for him. You know, I came back from Jerusalem. I was gung-ho from Jerusalem. We only have to learn what good college, Goyesha language, Goyesha thought, Goyesha did. Who needs it? Or no, core curriculum, what could be meta? It made me, my courses in educational psychology made me into a much better teacher and it had a lot to do with my success in Manhattan Day School. My dear students, why is that story important? You see, Beitin Avihim Shel Yatomim. On that level, the Rav and Rabbanasha Klein are saying the same thing. We have a responsibility, whether we like it or not, you see, there's no question. I would rather learn day and night. It's wonderful. I love to learn. I remember the Rub saying, nothing makes me more happy than when I open a Gemara. But we have a responsibility to call Israel. It's not just enough our learning. We have to be sure that children and grandchildren tomorrow will be learning. And this is Beitan Avian Shalyatomim. And here of Menashe Klein is absolutely right. If we don't set guidelines, these are delicate questions. Someone can say, who's interested? Who has to answer? What do we have to deal with idiots? What do we have to deal with sexual miscreants? What do I have to deal with parents who have anger and beat their kids until they have blue and black marks? You can go, Max, and have that attitude, Mali Ulatsara Zoo. But this is not why we're here. This is Chris Kolo, where Rabbanim and Rakefet just published a whole essay, a post that people call it the best that that dummy ever published. But read the introduction, read the start of my essay. Who keeps the Jews going? The rabbis. Who recreated Torah? Think what happened to us in the Holocaust. Who recreated? I give a whole list there. Alphabetically, people said to me, now we realize how smart you are. I didn't want to give out grades. I hate these people who write, Rav Rakefet, but Rabbi Wiener. You follow either a raw rabbi or a raw rabbi. Who are we to give out grades? We find Look how I introduce all the names of the rabbis. Alphabetical order. I hope I left no one out. Charedim, Datim, Rumiim, everyone. But Torah was rebuilt. The rabbis are responsible. And as much as Rabbi Nasha Klein would like to walk away and say, Mali, let's He has to give us guidelines on all 
these questions. And the story with Chaim Gold is classic because it happened Kliachiyad. It wasn't a public event. I was a Yenta. I apologize. But the Rav, his whole attitude also, Yafetamatorim Derecheretz. What is Derecheretz? You're right. We don't know for sure. I can give this Russia, that Russia. Look, look at the Peris Hamishmaik Rambam. I mean, we can go on and on. Mazen Derecheretz. We spoke about it in the Monday class with the Vilna Gon. We'll come back to it tomorrow. Mazen Derecheretz. But the Rav says, Bizman Hazer, I'm positive it means you must go to college. And Einochinami, you talk about Taknit Liba, core curriculum. Today the core curriculum begins in kindergarten and it comes through postgraduate. There's no end to knowledge, no end what we can absorb, no end to the field we go into. And, and it doesn't stop. In other words, I, I can just tell you I'm walking with a professor. He should live in me well. He's on in years today with his children, not really functioning. And he was a world-famous professor. But all his doctorate was on Woodrow Wilson. And whenever there was a conference on Woodrow Wilson, he was the main speaker. His doctorate was... Hebrew U, and I don't know how he got involved in Woodrow Wilson. He was from Australia, very prominent Australian Torah family, very prominent Torah family, very prominent religious Zionist family. And, and, and then he would marvel at me. He would say to me, what are you teaching? I tell him this, that. He said, but last, how do you know so much? How can you teach? And all these, I said, Look, this is Torah. It's not Woodrow Wilson. You're finished, Woodrow Wilson. You're finished. Torah? No, Yehuda Dove. Did your father ever say he finished? As much as he's accomplished? Believe me. The Rav, you know that. I'll end off with the Rav's vod. Why do we say Talmud Chacham? Meredik vod. If you think you're a Chacham, you haven't really achieved it. You always have to, you're a Talmud wanting to become that's the rough spot. All right, let me reiterate, Baruch Hashem, we did something today, and uh, she'd only have good news. Uh, I, I, th- I, I have to be honest with you, I thank that guy, Rakefit, for his talk on how to survive the war. You know, remember the talk, Kenny. Three weeks ago, private talk, it's up in Y.U. Torah, set a record for the most downloads of any talk on Y.U. Torah. I listened to myself. You understand what I'm saying? I said, you have to live normal. Listen to what I said here. Listen to what I tell you about Russia and the refuse thinking. Listen to my different Torah at the end. Listen to that Torah. It's not mine. It's Rabbi, it's Rabbi Yoshua Hutness told me during the Yom Kippur War. But I listen to myself, Natanif. To give the Shia, I forget all my worries. You understand? Grandchildren all over the place. Don't have to tell you. Yom Kippur war was easy. I volunteered. I got in. Protexia. You needed protexia. I was teaching Torah at the Jordanian front. Mark, you know the story. That I come, I'm teach, I take a look at the army. It's the jerks that I have to deal with in civilian life. Vic gets all excited. It's all upset. The dummies. I say, say to the Rav who brought me into the rabbinate to lecture, I said, these are the guys, this is the army? 
He says, this is Kav Sheni. The real soldiers are at the front Kav. And uh, in this war, I learned the same thing. The army emptied out with Shomron. I have a lot of children in Shomron. So in the area near Real, it's relatively quiet. They took out the regular troops. They're down south, they're up north. And they pulled back anyone over 35, the Miluimniks, from the area. They formed a whole new army there. So uh, it's, you know, the second-rate soldiers. These guys are in their 30s. But... They're patrolling. My grandsons have two grandsons there. They can't sleep. They're then duty 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. One was Makabu Shabbos early, made the Siddur at 5 o'clock. Of course, at 6 o'clock he went on duty. And, and the, the Kainain Hara, the army is smart. Those are not the first line of defense, but the second line. By the way, they took courses. They gave them courses what to do if, if they take over a shul and they'd have hostages. How do you get rid of the machablim without harming the hostages? This becomes very important today, as you saw what happened last week, when someone jumped out of the bus with a gun and was blown away by our own soldiers. God have mercy on us, how dangerous it is with weapons. The minute you're caught in the crossfire, bend down and hide. Go down, like in the Shul Shabbos Waidav and my son-in-law Shul, there were like seven, eight people walking around with big machine guns and another ten people with with pistols in, in, in their pants. And I said to myself, I, I told the new American Olim next to me, if anything happens, get under the table. We're not shooting. We don't know how. We're too old. We don't have guns. But these are serious guns. And when you start shooting and you're under... Uh, pressure, you, you're not sure you know, where, where the bullet is going to go, so bear that in mind. Okay, first of all I want to thank everyone for honoring me with their presence today. It was greatly appreciated. I just want to check that I covered everything. Okay, uh, what did we accomplish today? We uh, we went further with the Chiba. We finished out to Rav Yashiv and Rav Waldenberg and Rav Orbach, and they all agree there's no machleket between them. Um, no question we have to deal with this problem. What's going to be fascinating the next time we meet is you'll see Rav Menashe Klein's understanding. It's different than ours. Who are the children? What's our relationship to children? Wait until you see. And he's going to give guidelines. At the end, we'll understand that not everyone agrees, including our own RCA and Rabbi Mark Dratch, my dear student, who was involved in these problems. He disagrees with Rabbi Klein. But we have to see the sources and see which way he takes us. These problems are earth-shaking. Unfortunately, as naive as I am, I told you some stories with with my own eyes and ears, the girl in Machon Gold, her brother at a yeshiva in Jerusalem with a black hat, no less, and rapes her constantly. Good God, it's beyond comprehension. The two names that you know that I don't want to mention with why you and all that went on, real problems. Okay, living in Israel from the Haredi world, We've had many cases 
that made the yellow journalism. And from our world as well, there was a case up north that's uh, second to none with the big Talmud Chacham, I'm, I'm told, and uh, seduces women. It's a therapy for them. The Kabbalah, I once had a Shaila like that. I, I don't even want to tell you, I can't repeat it, but I had a Shaila. Uh, I get a call that's before the call from Russia. I always tell the story how I got that call and this girl doesn't want to give me her name. She says, uh, I was your student and, and, and we loved you and you were a wonderful Rebbe. And, and she tells me what she's involved with and then Eshadish and uh, some Makubal is telling her how important it is for them to have some sort of sexual relation and I don't want to repeat any further, but he does it in a way that doesn't puzzle her to her husband. And she's starting to feel guilty. And I told her, what is this, the Catholic religion? I can tell you, say a few Hail Marys and you're forgiven. I say what you're doing is absolutely, totally, completely forbidden. And you have to stop it immediately. And that's when I got the call from the Mossad. Remember the story? I get the call in May 1980. And Harav Rakefet came, Atamuchan la Kabel Sicha, Belilagalotet Prateha Sicha, Babakashat, Avidiata Sicha. I thought for sure it's another student who remains nameless who's going to ask me some stupid question like this with a guilt conscience. But boy, Rick, was I wrong. If there are no questions, then tomorrow be as Rapnashim. Yes, Mark. David had three kids with her, not four. Thank you. And tomorrow, Be'ezrat Hashem, we pick up at 9 o'clock. And after class, there's a L'chaim in honor of a birthday that pushes me a lot closer to my 10th decade. I'll put it that way. You hear what Yomor is saying? Gematria Elohim. Now equal with, with uh, Seda. I only wish Yomo would believe it and treat the Rebbe accordingly. Yomo open it up to the world. Recording stopped. Now, are there any questions around the world? I thank you for participating and honoring me with your on-screen presence. Yeah, do we have any questions? Okay. I want to thank everyone for being with us today. Uh, until we meet again in health and happiness, das vidanya.